You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. Let's go. The U.S. government is, if Elijah goes, and he can go any day now because his health is declining, we got to think about the possibility of Malcolm X. So if we don't like Elijah's voice and the truth that he's speaking and waking black people up, if we don't like that, Malcolm X is younger. Malcolm X was willing to take more risks. Malcolm X wanted to shoot back. Malcolm X wanted to crank things up in the Nation of Islam. He thought the Nation of Islam was moving too slow. He thought the Nation of Islam should be playing inside and outside game. That the Nation of Islam should be building a nation at the same time of working with Dr. King and some people in the civil rights movement. He started to uh, think about really agitating the equilibrium in America, where you're starting to mess with the economy, you're starting to uh, mess with uh, uh, the, the peace and the social fabric. Malcolm X wanted to crank things up in America. And so when they considered that Elijah Muhammad could die and Malcolm X could run the nation, they, they had to move against him in, in terms of their mind in terms of how they think, because if Malcolm takes over the nation, oh, you know, you could have seen more aggressive action in America where, you know, Elijah stayed away from violence. You know, he didn't preach violence. Malcolm X preached violence. You know, he wanted to shoot back. The J. Edgar Hoover energy of that day had to separate Malcolm and Elijah because the Malcolm voice in their mind, was more disruptive of the political order. So you got to take him out. Elijah had a more conservative position, and Malcolm X had the position where you would want to neutralize that, okay? Because that's a, that's a threat to the social order. That's a threat to the political order. That could be more disruptive. We have riots going on everywhere and black people taking up arms, uh, now you're going to deal with the economy and the image of, a, of America. So Malcolm was a big threat uh, who was neutralized by the U.S. government, Marcus Garvey. So there were three agents working against uh, Marcus Garvey. One FBI agent was Emmett Scott. Uh, Scott posed as a reporter who attended Garvey's UNIA meetings and conventions. Uh, he also interviewed Garvey. So Garvey's out here. Uh, doing interviews, and he didn't know at the time. Uh, obviously, he doesn't know, you know, the just like the Nation of Islam didn't know uh, how much attention, uh, how many resources was put on them. Uh, they knew that, you know, the government was had sent in spies and different things, but they didn't know the depth of it. They didn't know the complexity and the sophistication of what the FBI was doing. But in, in, in Garvey's case... He's doing interviews, and he doesn't know that the FBI has sent in this reporter to spy on him. Walter H. Loving. Major Walter H. Loving was a retired Army officer and a member of the Military Intelligence Division who sent black informants to UNIA meetings. He was assisting with intensive surveillance of the black press overall. Herbert Simeon Bolin was a Jamaican businessman in Harlem who befriended Garvey and was really a bureau informant. He began giving them harmful information, such as accusations that Garvey's movement was anti-white. James Wormley Jones, a World War I veteran, 
black police officer and first black FBI special agent also went undercover to take Garvey down. His information was the nail in the coffin. J. Edgar Hoover needed to arrest Garvey. Uh, Jones reported that Garvey's Black Star Line was in financial straits, but the UNIA was continuing to promote stock in the company. He also said that they would continue to sell stock, and Hoover and his team deemed the sales fraudulent. The government in that day partnered with black folks. So if the government, if we say that the government is still partnering with people in 2020, they're still partnering with people. Okay. So if they're still partnering with people, we're not going to get all paranoid and start making accusations, but we have to realize that the government is most likely partnering with some of these leaders and the objectives are similar as the government part partnering with people who could take down Marcus Garvey, people who could take down Malcolm X, people who could take down Stokely Carmike, people who could take down Fred Hampton. Uh, Agent William O'Neill gave the FBI the floor plan to Fred Hampton's apartment. And so with this merger between corporations and politics where it's one, meaning that big money controls the politics, uh, you can say that there's a merger uh, where these forces, they desire certain things, okay? And they're looking for agents to accomplish these things. They're looking for agents to take the mind of black America and water it down, water down the politics where you're just so beaten up and you don't have any political self-esteem uh, self and you'll just take anything they give you. Thurgood Marshall what was the J. Edgar Hoover energy in, in his day? Thurgood Marshall was an informant for the FBI. You know, that information is read, readily available online. They have the files out. But Thurgood Marshall uh, was an FBI informant. And so he would report back to the government about what's going on in the community and what's going on with civil rights leaders. And he would just report back. He was an agent. Thurgood Marshall was on the Supreme Court. Thurgood Marshall, the law school of Howard is named after Thurgood Marshall. You see this trading, and it didn't go away when J. Edgar Hoover died. It didn't go away when COINTELPRO supposedly folded. This trading where you look up to the leader or the celebrity, Thurgood Marshall, oh, he's black. They put him on the Supreme Court. Man, we need black people like that. But in order to get to that level, Thurgood Marshall had to spy against the civil rights movement. He had to spy and give names to black America. And we don't know the implications of these secret trades that they're doing. And so we cannot be simplistic in terms of we got to be loyal. We got to be unified. We can't be unified with J. Edgar Hoover energy. We can't be unified with rat psychology. If the people who are successful, if they're making trades that are against certain principles that we have adopted as a people, we cannot go with them. They got to go on their own. I don't care if they got a billion, if they got 10 billion. I don't care how many awards they won. I don't care if the masses of the people are following them. Okay, the stuff has to line up where it's in the best interest of black people. We're not... We have to come out of personality worship, idol worship, 
Okay, these people are with flaws and a lot of these people are willing to cut that deal against you. I know it may hurt your your idol worship or, you know, you want a hero. Uh, I grew up with, with brothers who, who didn't uh, have a father figure and some of them took Jay-Z as their father. The way they would talk about Jay-Z or some people took Kanye West as a father. Where in some cases these rappers have replaced the father figure that void out there they're not going to church they're not going to the mosque they're not going to any black consciousness centers or, or any, any of anything uh like that so without the black father without the church without the mosque without the uh, uh black cultural centers that there's a void there uh and so they take the rapper who's successful and they want to be successful they take them as a father figure but how you could hook black America is if people are worshiping these people out here and they have J. Edgar Hoover energy, it's going to destroy us politically like J. Edgar Hoover did. It's the same thing, the same trades. Money is right there. Spying is right there. Doing stuff to water the people down. That's all still there in 2020. How does this uh, trading work? Uh, today, let's look at Barack Obama. My view is that he made a lot of deals with the billionaires in Silicon Valley, the Zuckerbergs, the John Doors, venture capitalists, who's now on the Obama Foundation board, that he chose his corporate sponsor out of Silicon Valley. His sponsorship entailed, you know, helping him win the election, helping him get reelected in terms of money coming in, donors. He made a trade for that. And there's a second trade, I believe, where he's thinking about his activities after the White House. After, when he leaves, he's thinking about, hey, I can leave the White House and develop, you know, a media empire. You know, I'll just hand this thing off to Hillary uh, and I'm probably going to be able to get 300 million or be worth 500 million uh, once I leverage all my connections and, you know, the billionaire uh, people out of Silicon Valley I bef befriended are, you know, the, some of the investment bankers like Michael Wolff, a major figure in the Democratic Party who used to golf a lot with Barack Obama, big Wall Street figure. So I believe there were two trades that Barack Obama made. So one is I got a partner with you know, the Zuckerbergs and the Silicon Valley billionaires over here. Uh, in exchange for that, I'm not going to regulate Google and Facebook. I'm just going to allow them to run wild. Uh, it's going to help the stock market and, you know, fewer regulations typically helps the economy in the short term, short to medium term. I'm going to partner with Silicon Valley. That trade moved against him because I believe uh, part of that uh, this is not the subject of uh, this episode, but that trading that he was doing at the very top with elites, that is a factor, one factor of why Hillary lost, that people are tired of this trading. You know, one report has up to 80% of Americans are tired of widespread corruption, where companies could hire lobbyists and develop these relationships and in exchange for lower regulation. So there's no real policing. There's policing for us in the streets. You know, you could have 30 police on a corner. But in terms of corporate America, Obama said the police hands off 
of these giant companies buying other companies, doing whatever they want, essentially. Privacy, consumer privacy, uh, censorship. The Obama administration was hands-off because they're in the bed with the Google, Facebooks, and the venture capitalists. They have made their trades. Obama made another trade when the Congressional Black Caucus, they saw what Obama was doing. They said, hey, what about us? We lined up like, you know, there was a new Popeye's chicken sandwich. Uh, like there was a Million Man March. We lined up for you and banged for you. What about us? The Congressional Black, some of the members of the Congressional Black Caucus said. Uh, and what Obama said is, Al Sharpton is respected. Well, Obama and David Fluff. What Obama did was very intelligent in terms of J. Edgar Hoover energy. Obama and David Fluff recruited Al Sharpton to fill off the criticism to water the black critics down. Al Sharpton, he gets to be seen at the White House in meetings with Obama. That's Obama's man in uh, the late stages of the, of the first term as there's some criticism coming out. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus is saying, we need, we need something for black folks. You know, we, 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 we banged for you. You know, we supported you. Everybody came out. Obama hired Al Sharpton to help quiet the people down. So he's going on the radio, this and that. And so Al Sharpton was weaponized against black people to defend Barack Obama and quiet the people down uh, in terms of talking about freedom, justice, and equality. Uh, Obama told, the, told black America to stop complaining. Just shut up. I'm black. That's my gift to you. Just a black man being here. That's my gift. That's my, that's what I'm giving you. In this J. Edgar Hoover energy and rat psychology that's guiding Negro politics, because Barack Obama is black, uh, because of what he symbolizes, uh, the people will say that J. Edgar Hoover energy is okay. What are, what, are, what are the alternatives? So if Obama's doing this stuff, you know, we'll give him a pass. You know, Obama wants us to shut up complaining about you know, what he needs to deliver for black America, then we need to stop complaining. Uh, now they recruited Al Sharpton like Jagger Hoover would. And matter of fact, Al, Al Sharpton used to, I believe he wore a wire for the FBI. He was an FBI informant uh, at one time. Obama recruited Sharpton to help water the black political voice down during that time. And he, he was very smart with it. And, you know, Al Sharpton can raise his status. It's not Jesse Jackson. It's Al Sharpton uh, at the White House, you know, every few weeks. Uh, and so this trade is taking place. And uh, who gets the losing end of this trade if black people are not holding Obama accountable? The state, corporations. If you're quiet, if you're weak, corporations, the state, America, the elites, they get a better position if you're quiet. If you have weak leaders, if you have leaders who are trading at the top, they benefit. And then the people that they've selected, they get to uh, have the big positions and have all the money because they're trading against you. Another trade, J. Edgar Hoover Energy, uh, rat psychology. Al Sharpton, you know, when it was time for Comcast to buy NBC Universal, the regulators could say, you know, what would a cable company, what would happen if a cable company also owed a portfolio of, of cable channels as, as well? That could be a potential issue for the market and consumers. 
Comcast partnered with Al Sharpton. Uh, and so, of course, now Al Sharpton has a show on MSNBC, which, which was uh, under uh, NBC Universal. Comcast is trying to fight regulation like Facebook or Google. They're looking to find their agents, and, and they, they would act similar as the FBI or the U.S. government, meaning the corporation, uh, if the people believe that something is bad for the broader society, if the people want to move against the corporate position in terms of consolidating corporate power, in terms of companies getting you know too big, then what the corporation is going to do is it's going to pick out black people to help them to get their desired outcome. So in this case, Comcast and the lobbying arm chose Al Sharpton like Obama chose Al Sharpton to quiet the people down. Al Sharpton watered down the position, the anti-Comcast position. So obviously there's there's billions and billions of dollars at stake uh, and these corporations will play it as smart as J. Edgar Hoover in picking out black leaders to get their desired outcome. And so Al Sharpton will take the check, get the show, become Obama's right-hand man, but there's something being traded for him. So we got to understand when these people get into these positions or get these things, you don't understand it. You're being traded, okay, like slave trading. There's a political voice. There's a political position that's being traded at the top to quiet us down, to water down that strong black political voice, a strong black uncompromising political voice. There is money and big forces involved to water that, that political position down. So Comcast paid Al Sharpton to enable itself to acquire NBC Universal. So Al Sharpton, you could say that, hey, you know, he, he has admitted to working for the FBI. And in this case, he was working for Comcast, in a sense, to get the deal done. Uh, and so these are higher guns. You have Al Sharpton, who used to inform for the FBI at one point, uh, and then the CEO of Rock Nation so happens to be a former uh, informer as well. So, you know, what's going on here? Maybe there's something bigger at play in terms of these patterns. So Bakari Sellers, we covered that briefly, that essentially he's a lobbyist. When you see him on CNN, they need to have something on the screen to tell people that this guy is a front for a lobbyist organization. So when he speaks, you know, you need to consider that he's a paid lobbyist, okay? He has some powerful people backing him who have a political agenda. It's not a black political agenda, but what Bakari Sellers is going to do is he's going to merge the APAC lobbyist position with the watered-down black position, and he will, he will as, as a so-called influencer... He will blend this APAC position and the black po Negro politics position, and he could be molding this new black into the political bloodstream of black America, uh, where it's compromised, and that compromised J. Edgar Hoover energy, that compromised rat psychology goes into the political bloodstream. You know, next thing you know, uh, in 2030, black America is on the side of the Israeli defense forces. And you say, hey, how did that happen? How did that happen? There was a methodical plan in place to go on the HBCUs, to prop up leaders, to inject that J. Edgar Hoover energy into your political bloodstream. This trading that goes on at the top. Uh, let's talk about Jim Clyburn. 
So Jim Clyburn last year, uh, he made a lot of uh, noise in the Democratic Party, uh, and he accused uh, Nancy Pelosi and the elites in the Democratic Party with tokenism. He, he said that they're okay with tokenism, and then he apologized. In that case, I can support Jim Clyburn because what he said was the truth. He's on the inside. He can see it, that there's a lot of tokenism. After that, Jim Clyburn switches up. Of course, he apologizes, and we don't know what trades were made. Whatever was traded for, uh, and I can only speculate that something was traded because he flipped. He's being truthful and criticizing the elites in the Democratic Party, and we need people to put pressure on the inside and the outside. And then he flipped. And so after he flipped, of course, he delivered the election uh, he, he delivered a significant piece of the election to the Democratic Party establishment, Joe Biden. I believe he's one of the enforcers of the Democratic Party establishment where, uh, like Sharpton, can quiet people down when they were criticizing Obama in 2011. Clyburn can come and water down criticism of the Democratic Party. You could most likely offer him something, and essentially he can get him on board with getting a particular side of the Democratic Party into uh, power uh, again. And so my question with this election uh, is in the 80s, you know, with Jesse Jackson, that the black political position was optimized for the poor. It was optimized for people on the bottom. But fast forward to 2020, you have these MSNBC Negro Democrats, where they are on the side of the lobbyists. Okay, it may not be intentional, but if there's two sides of the Democratic Party, you see these people making, you know, 100, 250K, and they're in the corporate swamp. They're in the corporate Democratic Party, MSNBC crowd, CNN crowd. That these actors, they favor the establishment. Okay, they favor the status quo in the Democratic Party. They favor the elite position in the Democratic Party. They are against voices who are more optimizing against corruption and the poor. You wonder, how did the black voter get so turned out where you, you, are on the, you, you want the candidate that the lobbyist wants? You want the candidate that the swamp wants. You want the candidate that the corporations want. You have perverted the, the black political psychology where now you're on the side of the establishment, the status quo, the swamp, the lobbyists, the corporations, uh, and you have anger at a Bernie Sanders or in some cases Elizabeth Warren saying that the uh, system uh, big, big corruption is pimping the system, who was shining a light on the corruption. This new black is siding with the elites. It's siding uh, with the wealthy. It's siding with the corporations. And the only way our people could get to this point is you had to have agents. You had to have J. Edgar Hoover energy and rat psychology who could turn out the black political mind. The black political mind now is voting within the Democratic Party on the side of elites, on the side of corruption, on the side of big money. 
So I'm going to conclude this episode, uh, J. Edgar Hoover Energy and the Rat Psychology Guiding Negro Politics. You know, the big takeaway uh, from this is that you can admire the business acumen of some of our people are, you know, our people are being successful. They're very skilled and they're, they're famous. You can admire that, meaning that we want to see our people successful. At the same time, the politics are the politics. Right and wrong is right and wrong. If the business actor or the political actor has, is making trades that are structurally against the masses of black people, structurally it's against freedom, justice, and equality. They may get 50 million. They may get 25 million. They may get 100 million. Uh, they may get into these elite networks. But they are compromising, conflicted, where they can't have a strong voice. You don't have to give up your strong voice because uh, you support or you want to see some of these people successful or stay successful. You don't have to give up the black the firm black political position because there's black faces uh, out there who are successful and have money and they're connected to all these elites. You don't know what type of trading is going on in this day and hour. These people at the top are making trades that you don't know about. You're at the close of the American empire uh, of a corrupt state, essentially. Uh, so towards the end of the empire, you may be looking for heroes and the hero is not available. You know, don't try to force a hero on the people because in a corrupt country and towards the very end, there may not be any heroes left. Thanks everybody for listening to Go. You could check me out at Jamarlin Martin on Twitter and also come check us out at mogulden.com. That's M-O-G-U-L-D-O-M.com. Be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter. You can get the latest information on crypto, tech, economic empowerment, and politics. Let's go.